chapter 3, verse 1. If you're ready, say amen. He says, wives likewise. So he's referring to those other relationships. Be submissive to your own husbands. Circle the word own. That even if they do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. You know what, what Peter's saying right there? Ladies, let me tell you what makes you beautiful. It's what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside. That gentle and quiet spirit which is a very, pre it's very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And then in verse 7 he says, and husbands likewise. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the weak, or to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. What Peter does in chapter 3 is he steps to the door of your house, of your home. How many of you, when you get a cell phone call and do not recognize the number, this is testimony time right here. How many of you just let it ring because you do not recognize the number? One, two, three. Right now you're saying, no wonder you're not answering my call, Brother Greg. You don't recognize my number. Okay, why do we do that? Because we're, we're, we're pretty sure that that's a telemarketer. Or we're pretty sure that that's some kind of outside call that's not personal. And why do we let it ring? Because if they really need me, they'll leave a message. They'll leave a message. So what Peter is writing about, listen, is somebody is ringing the doorbell of your home, listen to me, and you're not answering the door because you know who it is. You know, it's good to have Stacy and Kyle here with the boys. Kyle got us the most moving Christmas ornament one year that said, Outlaws welcome, in-laws call first. Okay, I'm still trying to figure out how to take that, okay? Well, Peter says the Lord wants to deal with something. And in order for that to happen, you have to let him in the door. And this morning, the message is on marriage. Now, I get it. Listen carefully. Not everybody here is married today. I understand that. I understand that marriage is not for everyone. Amen? According to Scripture. I recognize that some of you have lost your spouse. I realize that some of you have been married and you've gone through a divorce, maybe a painful divorce. I also recognize that some uh, move from one marriage to another trying to find happiness in the next that maybe you didn't find in the previous. So I believe in 1 Peter chapter 3 when it talks about relationships, I believe 
that God can speak to all of us through his word, even when we mention a word like marriage. So what does he do? He begins by addressing the wife. And in verse 1 says, Be submissive to your own husbands as a master is to a servant, as a Christian is to the government. Marriage is about submission. Now, hang on, because we'll tell you exactly what kind of submission that's supposed to look like. Folks, I want to remind you this morning that godly love doesn't demand to be loved by anybody. Godly love takes place when you surrender, when, you're, when you submit your will to the authority of the object that you're loving. Now, how many of you know what yesterday was? Sweetest day. Sweetest day. Most men say it's a hallmark made-up holiday. Sweetest day. And uh, somebody said, well, I thought sweetest day, the, the wife or the girlfriend is supposed to do something for the guy. I've never heard that, or Renee's never told me that. But what I do recognize is that when there is a healthy relationship, it's two-way. Anybody want to say amen? It's two-way. For instance, four years ago when Levi and Bailey stood here to get married, and God has blessed them, and now River is right there with them, what if I would have did their vows and said, Bailey, will you love him? And will you submit to Levi? And, and will you just love him with all of your heart and, and follow him? And, and Bailey, what if she looked up at me and said, you know, Brother Greg, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Real submission is two-way. Godly homes are built on a two-way street. And Peter gives us our roles. So he says... Be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word. I didn't mention this in the first, but I will in this one. He says, even if some do not obey the word. I believe Peter is indicating here, maybe there is a, a, a Christian husband who's not obeying the word. Not just lost. Now listen, two, two, I'm talking about two different kinds of people here. A Christian who's bowed their knee before Jesus and said, I realize I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Oh, God, would you forgive me? Come into my heart, just like Abigail had done. I'm talking about that kind of person, that kind of husband, who is not obeying the Word of God. And then there's another who's lost, who's never received Christ. And the Bible gives some instruction for her as she is in this marriage covenant. It says, be submissive to your own husbands. And, and the reason I, he repeats this in, this chat, in these verses today, own, let me tell you something. When you commit yourself to your spouse, when you say, I do, at the wedding altar, that's it. You're off limits. You hear what I'm saying? Ain't no sharing emotional things with somebody of the other sex at work across the lunch table. Ain't no going for lunch or just, just for a little social chat with somebody at a coffee shop that, that's not your husband. Listen, folks, when you say I do, there comes a point of ownership because you've given your life to each other in the bonds of marriage. Most of you married today have a wedding band on. I don't ever have to deal this with the ladies. 
you're always good about wearing your wedding bands. It's the guys. Oh, Brother Greg, if you only knew my occupation, I could have my finger ripped off. Understand that. They make silicone wedding bands now that can help you with that. You know what that ring means? That ring doesn't make you married, but it tells the world you are married. And when you go to the store, here's what you're saying. I'm off limits. Now, I don't walk into Walmart and say, I'm off limits. But what that ring reminds people of is that you've made a commitment to somebody. Can, can you say amen? Help me. Help me. I promise you, the more you do that today, the longer I'll keep, the shorter I'll let you out. Okay? It's a two-way street that God wants to bless and that God wants to use. And isn't it interesting that he talks to the heart of the wife first? He talks to the heart of the wife and just says, listen, even if you're married to somebody who doesn't obey, even if you're married to someone who's not a Christian, don't give up, don't quit, don't be bitter at the world, you keep following Jesus, that they may see Christ in your life and may come to Christ because they saw a life that was consistently faithful. So what does the Word of God have to teach to us this morning? Here's the first thing. God uses relationships on earth to teach us the importance of commission. We know that. We see it in the form of a government. We see it in the form of a master-slave. And now he steps to the front door of the house and says, let me address marriage. Let me address marriage. Be in submission to your own husband. Uh, submission means to be placed under, not by force or compulsion. You ready for this? It's voluntary recognition of God's assignment of leadership. And let's be clear this morning. If God wanted us to submit at any point, any moment in our lives, he could drive us to our knees right now whenever he chose to. But he wants us to choose to love him back. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, I don't know if anyone loves me. Let me tell you, we talked about value last week. There is a big God who loves you more than anybody. What are you saying, Greg? I'm saying that God loves me more than Renee loves me. He loves me more than my parents love me. God is a God of love, and his desire is for us to submit to his love, his authority, and choose him. And when we come that way and think about this institution and this covenant of marriage, he says submission is an important part. He's writing in a day, Peter is, in a day where women had a role that was very limited. They couldn't do a lot of things without supervision. It's the way the world was set up at the time. So Peter says, uh, when it comes to submission, be content with the bonds of marriage that you're in. Quit thinking that the grass is always greener somewhere else. Quit thinking that, that you're going to magically find happiness. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, happiness doesn't come in a person other than the Godhead of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll always be chasing something. Maybe you're here today and you'll say, I can't wait to graduate so I can go to college. And I can't wait to finish college so I can get the big money and work somewhere. What you will do is you'll start getting the paycheck and then wonder what's next. Wonder where your source of contentment comes from. Contentment doesn't come through things. It doesn't come through people. 
It comes through Christ. And he says, okay, wives, difficult, difficult environment, difficult place, you keep on for the Lord. Don't you quit. Don't you leave. You keep on for the Lord. Now, when you look at this passage, it would appear that uh, he's dealing with Christians who are married perhaps to lost men, women who are married to lost men. And he's saying, don't be bitter, don't leave. However you're living, let that be a testimony that is speaking into the life of the one that you love most. You know, a lot of folks have asked me, Brother Greg, when, what are you doing about finding a, 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 an associate? What, where's that at? I don't know. God brings the right person, I'll know. I received some good wisdom recently from somebody that said, it's, it's better not to hire a staff person than to hire the wrong one. Okay, here, let me, let me transfer that into marriage. It's better not to marry than to marry the wrong person. Now, Paul wasn't against not marrying. You remember Paul said, let all your energy, let all your focus be on the Lord, but if you have to. And he talks about the marriage commitment. It seems to me that Peter is, is about contentment in marriage. Contentment. You know what that means? It means you have no desire to look anywhere else. You have no desire. Uh, I mean, you are content. You're complete with, uh, with who God has given you. you all, I don't even know if I've ever watched the movie. I think it's called Jerry Maguire. You know, you complete me. There's a line from that movie. Well, that's what, that's what harmony in the home is about. Uh, years ago, I went to school with a fellow named Scott, and his family was raised devout Catholic. And Scott and his mom began attending church where we were at, and it wasn't long that Scott and his mom both gave their life to Christ. So the pastor visited their home, and when he got to the home, there was dad sitting there, uh, a devout Catholic truck driver. And he was hardened, and he looked at the preacher, and he said, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And a few months went by, and the pastor felt compelled to go by one more time. And he went by the house, and there sat the, the hardened truck driver once again, but he looked a little different. And he was open to conversation, and he said to the pastor, he said, listen, I don't know what happened to my wife and my son, but if that's real, I want it. And he gave his life to Christ. Why? Because he saw the faithfulness of a loving wife. Somebody whose life was forever changed. If you're here this morning and your life has been forever changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, say amen. I praise God for that. I heard testimony of that this morning in First Connection. But harmony in a home, uh, there are some things that have to take place. God, if he uses relationships, is he, if he uses a relationship of man and wife, what's he want? Norman Wright said the key to marriage is, write this word down, communication. Communication. You see, even if the husband is lost, even if the husband is not obeying the word of God, when he sees the wife being faithful, it opens up the door to talk about why she's faithful. Why do you do that? I want what you have. Why do you still love me? 
So if there's going to be harmony in the home, there's got to be communication. Number two, harmony in the home begins by you living for the Lord. And it continues by you as a couple looking the same direction. The same direction. Now the Bible says when, uh, when they observe your, verse 2, your chaste conduct, you're clean, you're pure, your consistent conduct accompanied by fear. You see, when you give your life to Christ, we are to set our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. When you get married, you're saying to each other, we're committing our lives to each other in front of God and these witnesses. Here we are. Here we stand. We don't know anything about life, especially if you're married young. Renee and I were married when we were 21. Oh, man, that is too young. That is too young. Any 21-year-olds in here? Raise, raise your hand. If you're under 21, raise your hand. Keep them up. Keep them up. Right field, too young, too young, too young, too young. Okay? Too young. All right? Don't know anything. Golly, how, how do I be a husband? I remember the first time something broke in our apartment. I thought, I can't call Dad. I'm married. You know what I did? called dad she'll be gone these hours will you come fix this why because I'm her husband I'm supposed to know stuff folks listen to me marriage is about growing it's about growing if you're here and you're sitting by your spouse this morning take their hand right now because I want to tell you do we not see more beauty in our spouse the older we get why because we see the inward part of their heart and we learn more and more. Some of you are stretching out around three and four kids. That's okay, amen? Harmony in home begins with you living for the Lord. What we do is we want to fix each other. Boy, if I could just make, get them right. If I could get my husband right. If I could get my wife right. If I could just fix them. But it doesn't begin that way. It begins by God doing the work in your life. And accompanied by fear, the Bible says. Godly fear. Now, Mark your Bible, and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Flip back just a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And I really believe this is something we've not only gotten away from, we certainly have gotten away from it in culture, but I believe we've gotten away from it in church. Listen carefully, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Now, folks, I'm not here to tell you this morning that Christian marriages are always perfect and don't battle. Marriage is a battle you wake up to every day and say, I'm married and I'm going to stay married and we're going to trust God. But what I am telling you is that God's Word gives us a blueprint of how to begin life together. And he says, as believers. As believers. You say, well, Brother Greg, I'm married to an unbeliever. Well, we've already, we've already seen that Peter says, don't leave, don't bail, hang tough. But I'm telling you, 
when two stand before God and the preacher and witnesses and say we want to commit our lives to each other, knowing that both lives have built on the solid rock of Jesus, that both have trusted Christ as Savior, I'm telling you, God can bless that marriage as they begin to take that journey looking the same direction. See, what happens oftentimes in marriage is we pull one another. We pull one another. Oh, uh, married couples, oh, oh, somebody made me mad at church. Folks, I wish that would never happen in the life of the church, but it does. That's no reason to leave God or leave the church. Anybody want to say amen? I wish that we could monitor, I wish I could monitor everything I say and not say stupid stuff. Or on the other hand, I wish God could monitor some of the things you say. But folks, listen, as long as we're in the flesh, that stuff's going to come out from time to time. It's no reason to quit on God. It's no reason, listen, you're going to say things to your spouse sometimes. As soon as you say it, you, you wish you could pull it back. Why? Because most of the time, the ones closest to us are the ones we hurt the worst. That's no reason to say, I'm done. No, no reason to walk out. It's a reason to get on our knees before God and say, God, forgive me. Would you forgive me? And give us a new start if you would. You see, solid marriages are built on heading the same direction. And I believe Paul knew what he was talking about because he recognized the importance of it being a marriage being built on the foundation of Christ. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 5, for in this manner... In former times, the holy women who trusted in God, they also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. They were dedicated. They dressed themselves. I heard one preacher say, thank the Lord for makeup. Don't you ever think that a preacher on television is as handsome as he is on television? He's got makeup on him like crazy. He's designed to look good. But he says there's no reason that you can't be beautiful on the outside, but real beauty starts from the inside, from your dedication to Christ. Now, in just a few minutes when we close, you're going to walk out these doors and you're going to think, where in the world is my car? Somebody's moved my car. It's gone. And as soon as you back out, somebody's going to be whipping into where you're parked. And here's all I want from you today. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Camden. Get out of my way. Get out of my God bless you. Welcome to Camden, Ohio. Folks, I'm telling you, for that kind of spirit to take place, it has to start from the inside. And Peter's saying real beauty is on the inside, and it works its way out. It works its way out. Now, he, he says, we're dedicated to marriage, and, and there's, there's nothing wrong with being pretty and fixing yourself up and being dressed for it, but you have to be determined in it that there's nothing that's going to keep me from loving you, that there's nothing that's going to keep me from trying and giving my best. Now, I realize I'm looking at some of you, and you went through the worst of the worst. And I'm telling you, 
that God is still in the business of blessing a God-ordained marriage. Regardless of what the world says, and I want to remind you what the Bible says, the first family was man and woman. That's the Word of God. That's not something that an unloving preacher wants to say. That's something that the Word of God tells us. And I love the fact that God doesn't make us wonder about what real love looks like. Why? Because he went to a cross and he went there to die for you and you and you and you and me. Because we would never have what it takes to go to heaven. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I try to do good things. I'm a good worker. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I'm a good parent. Praise the Lord for those things. But none of that will get you to heaven. Jesus died to pay a debt for us we could never pay ourselves. And I love the fact that we got the picture of a child today being baptized because you have to come to Christ in childlike faith. You simply have to trust God and take him at his word. That's the good news. It's also interesting that when you look at harmony in the home, that it does take place when the focus is inwardly. Inwardly. Uh, one thing you have to watch out for as a young married couple, some of you may be able to help me at this, is that oftentimes you try to keep up with the Joneses. What that means is your neighbors do it, your neighbors have it, or your neighbor's kids are at school or jobs or a house or a car. Anybody want to say amen? And boy, that is something you can fall into, and it's a pit you'll never get out of. Listen to me, that's not just confined to young married. Sometimes that can happen in our retired years. Why don't we have what they have? Why don't we do what they do? Why don't we live with them? Why don't we get to go south? And he says, listen, harmony in the home begins when we start looking on the inside. We see that. Romans 2.29 says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. My dad worked second shift most of my school life. I always asked my mom at night to leave my door cracked so I could see the light. It made me feel safe. What I really loved was about 10 till 11 at night, and I would hear my mom greet my dad at the door who was now home from work. And it just made me go to bed feeling secure. Secure. Now, my parents aren't perfect and weren't perfect, but I never once wondered if they loved each other. If they argued, they did that amongst themselves, I guess, not in front of us. Why? Because you always want to be heading the same direction. Now, I noticed, I noticed that Grandparenting takes on a little different flair. Me and Meemaw have differences of opinions from time to time about what should be done. Last night at the house, we babysat the two youngest, and, I, and they went to Dayton to see her mom and came back, and all I could think of was, Renee can make these great blizzards. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, DQ quality. And I thought, boy, when she gets back, she'll fix us a blizzard. I, am, I can't wait. I sat in my chair, waited on this morning and last night's blizzard. And when she got there, I said, hey, boys, Meemaw, she'll fix this. Fix it. Toby said, hey, Meemaw, Paps wants to know if you want to fix us a blizzard. 
And she said, oh, no, we've already had ice cream at, at Mom's. You know what I said? In my pastoral maturity, that was them. That wasn't me. See, sometimes we can disagree on how we do things or what we give the kids or, Jeff, do we give them too much or not enough or nothing at all? But harmony in a home takes place when you say, okay, Lord, help me to be the man of God I need to be, the woman of God I need to be, and help us look the same direction, recognizing that it really starts from the inside. Now, verse 6, he uses a picture of the Old Testament of Sarah and Abraham. You know, they messed up from time to time. Even though God blessed and she had a baby at, at old age, they messed up from time to time. When they were, on, when they were heading to where God had called them, uh, Abraham thought at one point it might be better if we just act like you're my sister. And they, they found out uh, what had happened and said, why would you do that to us? Why would you lie to us? And then we get to verse 7. And any time it seems like a passage of Scripture deals with the wife, Listen to me, men. It will always deal with us. It will always deal with us. Number four, because harmony in the home begins with the husband. It begins with you and me, guys. With the husband. Verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Boy, what a responsibility. What a responsibility. And I believe there are some things here that Peter helps us understand. First of all, know her needs. You've got to communicate. Know her needs. And if you're going to know her needs, you're going to have to learn how to listen. Now, on the count of three, men, who will join me right now, right here this morning, and confess that I could be a better listener? One, two, three. I could. Oh, I'm glad you guys are so spiritual this morning. Oh, I'm just going to call some of your wives and see how that's working out. But every now and then, Renee will look at me and tell me a story and then say, what, what did I just tell you? What, what did I just say to you? And I'm thinking, Lord, you've got to help me now. And I'll say something like, I serve a risen Savior. He, no. She goes, nice try, buddy. You weren't even listening. You weren't even listening. I think sometimes we don't listen because we're preoccupied with everything else. We're looking, we're thinking, we're looking, we're, we're wondering what we need to be doing. And, and we're thinking about somebody else, so we're not hearing uh, the moment. Secondly, harmony in the home, beginning with you, men, you have to recognize her strengths. And when you recognize your spouse's strength, you affirm them. Thank you. Good job. Good meal. Thank you for washing my clothes. Thank you for working harder than I do and still coming home and doing all this stuff you do at home. Uh, listen, our wives need to be affirmed. You ladies need to be affirmed. We not only recognize their strength, we offset their weaknesses. That's what I love about seeing the married couples, how God puts two together. And when you offset weaknesses, you say, okay, I'll carry you. You carry me. And then lastly, treat her with honor. Treat her with honor. And what you're saying is, I value who you are. 
thank you for being my wife. Thank you for being my husband. You value your spouse. Now, when I think about that in relation to wives, that means I'm going to treasure her. I'm going to reassure her. I'm going to protect her. And I'll unconditionally love her. Now, I want to tell you about what God does. He unconditionally loves you. What do you mean, Greg? There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And, listen carefully, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Why? Because God doesn't change. God doesn't change. His nature doesn't change. Circumstances don't dictate whether or not he loves us. He sends the message, I love you, from Calvary, from the cross, and that message hasn't changed. And he continues to offer salvation for those who believe. You'll say, Brother Greg, what do I need to believe? What do I need to do? You simply need to trust God and take him at his word. That he died for you because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner separated from him. When you're both actively growing in, in the Lord, you're going to see God do something that maybe he's never done in your marriage. When we're living our role that God has planned, you're going to see him do something in your life you didn't thought would ever take place. Marcia puts together great music. And most of the time when we sing, when we sing from the pew, when I stand here and sing with you, we're singing unison. We're singing the melody of the song, the way it goes. But the musicians... And the vocalists that are up here leading us often will break off into their parts. Uh, if you ever join the choir, she'll try to figure out real quick whether you're a bass, alto, soprano, or tenor. And up here, they begin to sing their part. And when everybody's singing their part correctly, harmony takes place. When everyone's doing their job, when everyone's where they should be, harmony takes place. And it's a beautiful sound. And I believe when you think about relationships and when you think about marriage, when you think about the home, there's got to be harmony. And people will hear it. People will see it in your relationships. They'll even hear it in how you talk about home. And I praise God that Peter addresses a very important thing in life because the world is wanting to redefine what it really is. And that's the covenant of God-ordained marriage. It's the Word of God, and it's the Word of God we're going to stand on, and I praise Him for it. Amen? I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and this morning, if you're here and your spouse is with you, I'm going to ask you to grab their hand right now, okay? And I want you just, by, the, by taking their hand, reminding them, uh, listen, I love you, and I, I'm committed to you, and I pray that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Maybe you're here and your spouse isn't. I want you to pray for them and thank God for them right now. Right now. Will you do that? God, thank you right now. Help me be the woman I need to be. Help me to be the man I need to be.
God, we thank you for who you are and your love for us. And we give an invitation for an opportunity to respond. And maybe some, maybe some couples today just want to come and say, oh God, help us, help our marriage. We recommit our marriage to you. You're welcome to do that. But maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. So, Brother Greg, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I want to be. I want a new life. I want to be changed. I'm going to stand here on the floor. And if that's you, when we begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to come to me. And in just a minute, we'll have a time of prayer. And you can settle it once and for all. Amen. Folks, I know, I know sometimes when we get to the invitation, I know you've checked out on me minutes ago. But would you, would you consider that this could be the most important moment in somebody's life? Pray for those around you. Will you do it? God, if you want to move, may our hearts be ready to do that. In Jesus' name. Let's lift our voice, sing to the Lord. If you need to come, I'll be here. Lift your voice, sing it out. about this song, it's just simply about, Lord, you and me, mold me, make me, I yield to you means I back off and you take over, and I praise God for that, amen, are you glad to be here this morning, God bless you, thank you for listening, family and guests, we're glad all of you are here, and thank you for being here with us today, and we've had, oh, she went full circle, she ditched me for children's church, but uh, praise the Lord for you.